0: I'm Dante Centauri, and I love to talk about insects.
1: I'm Mia Centauri, and I also love to talk about insects.
0: So we'll be talking about insects together on Insect Insect View. View.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Insect View. So, um, kept you waiting a little bit from last time, but uh, we're back with a brand new episode, and today we're going to be talking about a bug that I think everyone knows, um, which is the woolly bear.
0: Well, everyone's favorite fall insect, the yeah. woolly worm, as it's called. We're a little bit past fall, but you know, it's the it's the fine. spirit remains. Yeah. Well,
1: we can just know. pretend like we're recording this in fall. And, yeah, you know. yeah.
0: Well, if if it's a if it's a warmish winter's day, go out. You can go out and pretend it's fall. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. we're not late. We're right yeah. on time. Sure. The woolly bear is it's commonly known as the woolly bear, but it is in fact a moth. Mm-hmm. And so the, the its Latin name is Pierhaetica Isabella, and it's commonly referred to as the Isabella tiger moth at least in its moth stage but everyone, it's only really known for the larval catapulted form but the adult moth is quite pretty it's a tiger moth so they're, mm. they all tiger moths always have a, a vibrant color scheme yeah. and this one has a nice pumpkin orange that mm-hmm. kind of keeps the fall theme that actually and,
1: that actually relates to the name a bit cuz I, I looked it up the etymology is the the per part is relating to like fire Oh, really? and arctica is like um is about like a like a it, it, it means like bear it's like related to like the oh, position of like that's the, the the little dipper i think mm. uh so it's, it means like, so it's like bear, so it's like fire bear, basically. Fire bear. Uh, Yeah, so that's kind of where woolly bear comes from. And I was curious about the Isabella part. Um, and apparently there's just no information about who Isabella was. But, mm. um. Is it like? It's not like a Latin name, it's just like, it's, maybe it's just, just a named woman's for name. Yeah, yeah, it was likely named after the person who, maybe it's was just like someone that they knew, you know. But, just described um, it. Yeah, but I couldn't find any information on who that is, so.
0: And it's interesting, the, when I was researching the life cycle of this, uh, when I was researching the Lifetime of the woolly bear, it's interesting. There's not a ton of actual information on its uh, its just life history, hmm. and it's like kind of general, like like many anything specific as to its life history. There's some some stuff talking about, but it's vaguer than I thought a very popular insect yeah. would be. I guess you know?
1: it's just people. I guess people mostly just care about it, um, you
0: mm-hmm.
1: know, in terms of like, oh, look, a caterpillar. Yeah,
0: and it could be that I did like find research on it, but it might be that it was done. It's not, like, particularly contemporary research. Maybe it just never got properly digitized yeah, or it didn't make its way onto, onto websites. But from what I can tell, the eggs of the moth, it depends on where you're at, I guess, because they. So a lot of insects will change their generations based on latitude. Yeah. Uh, in higher latitudes, is usually less generations. And with moths, at least with the woolly bear, the high latitudes usually have one generation. But when you get lower, at least in the United States, like towards Georgia a little bit more into, like, the, the more southern latitudes. Then you get, like, maybe two generations. And when it comes to one generation, the moths will kind mm. of emerge about uh, early, early summer, I'd say, early to midsummer, mm. late spring. And then they'll lay the eggs. And then those eggs will become the woolly birds in the fall. Ah, I see. But, so they, over- they overwinter. Yeah, and the, those eggs are, win- those, those moths are overwinter. But woolly- when there's two generations, the caterpillars that overwinter will come out a bit earlier, mm. and then they'll become moths. And some of the areas where there's two generations, the woolly bears come out earlier, there's moths, there's caterpillars, and then there's moths again, and the eggs those moths lay uh, become the caterpillars you see in the fall. So this is, there wasn't a ton of specific information on this, as I said before, but per area, but this is kind of generally how the, the generations work. Yeah. And, and after the eggs are laid, uh, regardless of, of when, it takes about two weeks for them to hatch, and the caterpillars are a very widespread generalist species. So they can the eggs can be laid in many different places. And the caterpillars can eat many different plants. And once they get older in the later instar, if it's the generation that's overwintering, they retreat under the leaf litter and they, they don't make a I don't think they make a cocoon or anything. The yeah, they don't make a cocoon, the caterpillars themselves overwinter under the leaf litter and mm. they enter a state of dormancy.
1: Yeah, so uh so the dormancy stage is pretty important, um, for for, for a lot of insects. Um and so they kind of fall into two categories. So they will be freeze avoiding and then freeze tolerant insects. Um so we talked about like um, you know, freeze avoidance stuff before, uh, but woolly bears are, like, right in the freeze tolerant category. But yeah, so woolly bears will just freeze, like, completely solid, basically. Um, and so it's actually a lot of, uh, like, North American Lepidopterans will kind of get through the winter by, like, super cooling, um, so they avoid freezing by, they will lower their super cooling point to a level, they just, like, don't freeze. Um, and so freeze tolerant insects, they have to manage, so, like, the thing about, about freezing, Um, it's not like just getting cold. It's the intracellular freezing. That's like dangerous. So Mm -hmm. it will like crystallize and turn all their internal liquids into just like crystals. And then it will just like rip them apart. Um, which obviously leads to death or at least severe injury. Um, and so this is like a partially, this freeze uh, tolerance, it's partially behavioral and it's also partially physiological. Um, so before overwintering, they'll actually completely evacuate their guts. So they'll shit everything out. (laughs) Um, And you can put
0: a little more scientifically than that. Well, it's
1: fine. <laughs> they will have an ass disaster. I don't know. What do you want me to say?
0: <laughs> no. Uh, welcome to the uh, yeah. uh, NSOC uh, 2023. Our yeah. keynote speaker is talking about yeah. the bully bear ass disaster. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyways, after they do whatever you want to call that, I guess, they will also produce a lot of glycerol. So glycerol is a, uh, a, cryoprot- a cryoprotectant. Um, and so, a lot of the more northern olive bears will produce more glycerol than their southern relatives, which is actually pretty interesting. So obviously, mm-hmm. it will get uh, colder. Yeah, and it's also uh, notable that um, if there's a lot of different freezing and thawing events, like it gets warm and it gets cold and it gets, you know, like it, it goes back and forth, this is uh, this can reduce their survival obviously because um, you know the preparation for the cold is not going to work mm-hmm. when it gets warm and they become confused. And just the
0: stress of, yeah. of repeating freezing and thawing, because uh, it, cause yeah, it, it takes a toll. Their, yeah. Like they can do it. It's it, not without damage. Like uh, do, going through an intense, yeah, like a, traumatic process, like freezing, uh, does damage the insect. But they're they're built to survive it. But when but you keep like doing most, it, yeah, you know, so that's a uh, definitely
1: an impact that you know global warming and, and all these changing temperatures have had on them. Mm-hmm.
0: And when it comes to their, I like, guess, the characteristic looks, this is based on the the caterpillar's defense. And so the it gets its characteristic woolly look from defensive setae. And these don't actually have any venom in them. Some caterpillars with little spines or spikes will have venom. But these are—they're just spikes to stop you from putting it in your mouth, and but you can safely handle them unless you have uh, a skin issue, because then it can cause dermat—then unless you have a skin issue, because then it can cause dermatitis. So be sure to consult your doctor before handling woolly bears. That's so. a good idea. Yeah, and uh, leading back to what I said about eating them, this is known to be bad in people because it actually happened once. There's a medical case study I found where an eight-year-old was brought into urgent care with a severe case of lepidopterism. Hmm. Uh which sounds like we're
1: gonna turn to a
0: butterfly. Uh sorry, uh Lepisopterism. This is the name for any reaction uh from contact with the larvae or adult forms of Lepidoptera. Oh, so it's fun they have a name for that yeah, specifically. I like that. But yeah, she put a woolly bear in her mouth. And I thought it was a bit funny they described her as intermittently crying, intermittently crying, but consolable.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, well, I mean that's it's a child, so Yeah. I mean, you know, not to minimize this, but, like, mm-hmm. I just kind of have kids yeah. react to everything. Right? It did sound like it was
0: pretty serious, though, because they, they actually had to take her into surgery. Oh, my God. Okay,
1: well,
0: I like, take it back. Now I sound like an asshole. <laughs> get a, over it, kid. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all this, the spines of the woolly bear, they're, they're barbed. So, like, when you touch them in your hand, your skin's really? tough enough huh. to resist it. But when it gets into the, the, like the ma- soft mouth, ma- mouth tissue yeah. yeah, the spines come out and they get stuck in her mouth. And really? then it got embedded in the mucous membrane. So they had to put her, put her on her anesthesia and mm-hmm. pull the little spines out. And she recovered fine. Uh, apparently, she was out of the... A version of intensive care within a day
1: probably doesn't like butterflies so much anymore. Yeah, yeah,
0: but sense. do not eat these yeah. caterpillars.
1: <laughs> I don't know if anyone listening might will need that PSA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and aside from that, the, if you
1: have kids, keep an eye
0: on them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they don't let them on a little treat. Yeah, but and, and aside from that, they do have uh, a, a suite of secondary defensive chemicals, which is yep. common in lepidoptera. But and these are usually sequestered from the the plants they eat. And I couldn't find a ton of specific information on this because they're just such. So as generalists, They probably get like carotenoids yeah. and terpenes from from different plants. And they kind of keep them around for good use. And uh, an interesting defense characteristic though, of the adults is that they have. Uh, it seems it appears that it's common for tiger moths to have ultrasonic ears, hmm. and some of them have the ability to produce ultrasonic sounds through timbal organisms. And the ultrasonic ears, I imagine, uh, evolve for defense against bats, as a lot of moths' defense are because you yeah. detect the bat coming. And so then it's the
1: just, it's just like a giant like. Whoa, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> like Very easy. For- yeah,
0: and the the ultrasonic ears are used and sounds are used for mating in some species and defense against bats in others. And the the the, def- the use of the ultrasonic clicks for defense is when they they emanate the clicks. These actually startle the bats, but more importantly, it throws off their ability to range the moth, so they can't determine exactly where it is. It's basically like radar jamming.
1: Mm-hmm. So they
0: basically have a built-in radar jammer. Some of these moths and the the. The bats just whiff most of the time. They fly straight past it, or they they can't actually estimate where it is. And again, I wasn't totally able to find out if this is a tiger moth characteristic. Yeah. Uh, sorry, if, if this is a uh, uh, if this is a woolly bear moth characteristic, but or it's just it,
1: like a general. Yeah, thing. but
0: they have. They, I believe they have the ear, and they might they might have the ability to produce mm-hmm. the sound. But it's a fascinating behavior. Yeah. It's cool. And the thought is that the ability to produce ultrasound may actually have emanated first as a way to uh, advertise their unpalatability. And then later they realized, oh, we can use this for, yeah. for mating or for cool. reproduction or defense. And so mm-hmm. it kind of got repurposed.
1: So lastly, um, probably one of the, the the things that you probably know the most about the woolly bear is the classic myth. Which uh, so you've all you ha- been waiting yeah. for. So um, if you haven't heard it, basically it goes that the amount of black or brown that you see on the woolly bear. Uh, it varies proportionally, like related to um, the severity of the coming winter. Uh, so, you know, if you find a woolly bear that has a lot of black on it, and not a lot of red, then that'll be like a harsh winter. And then if you find one that has a lot of red, not a lot of black, then it's like a mild winter. So I tried to find the origin of this myth. I did not find it. It seems it's just like, it's like, essentially it's like, a, you know, like an old wives tale. It's so, it's just been repeated so often. There's really not like a set mm-hmm. origin that can be detected. Um, but what I think was kind of interesting, um, is that there seems to be at least a point at which it gained a lot of popularity, uh, which was, so in 1948, so the curator uh, of the American Museum of Natural History, Howard Curran, or Curran, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I think he's dead by now, because <laughs> this was a long time ago. This is in 1948. Um, so he would do this thing, where he did like a little study, and so he went to Bear Mountain, New York, and he collected some moly bears. He only collected 15, is the thing here. So he collected 15 moly bears, and using that, he made a prediction on, uh, you know, if the summer or the winter was going to be harsh or not. Um, and he had a reporter with him and, all you know, a lot of his friends and all of, you know, his wife and all of his friends' wives. And essentially, from what I could tell from reading about this, it was like a fun outing. It was like a vacation, basically. It's like, mm-hmm. let's still be fun. Let's go look at woolly bears, you know, bring on, like, all your friends and your family and stuff and just, like, hang out and have, like, a fun camping trip. And I guess this one time he just brought a reporter with him, and so there was a story about it in the news. Um, So that seems to be kind of, like, a large source of the spread and popularity, despite That's- the fact that there's a sample size of 15 and it... Didn't seem to be extremely formal either, so um, technically I couldn't find any studies about it really. Like sense, like uh, so technically, there's nothing to disprove it. I did
0: actually see something uh, um, discussing that the banning of the woolly bear might have nothing to do with the coming winter, but it might be somewhat affected by the previous yeah. winter. And so, like, there may be some evidence that, like, uh, I, I think it was the same. It was a kind of informal study, but yeah. like, we found a light correlation between like had the intensity of the previous winter. And the, the colors of the new yeah. woolly bear.
1: Yeah, the jury seems to be kind of out in that one, though, mm-hmm. just because there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, serious research on this what, phenomenon. What the jury isn't out
0: on, though, is that a vacation to find woolly bears is still as good as an idea as That's it was not, yeah, it
1: sounds like back like in the day. That. Yeah, yeah,
0: that sounds charming.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, so woolly bears, like we said, are very popular, um, well-known because of the myth. And so, result, resulting from that popularity, there's a lot of woolly bear festivals. Um, so, one of the biggest ones is here in Ohio in Vermilion um so this will happen like sometime in october since 1973 this has been a thing the uh, like the big their big woolly bear festival and so they'll have like all kinds of events they have like you know woolly bear merch they'll have like a race uh they have like a big caterpillar race and costume contests for kids and pets and stuff like that i also found a couple more uh, that seem to be a little bit smaller in scale but still worth mentioning so um there's one in banner elk north carolina um that has a lot of the same things you know races food craft all that kind of thing mm-hmm. um there's one in bettyville kentucky there's one in Oil City, Pennsylvania, um, and Little Valley, New York. But uh, Vermilion is the oldest one, and uh, it looks like the Little Valley one was established in 2012, uh, so that's, I guess, the most recent one. Um, I've never attended any of them. The event. Zoomer Festival. Yeah, the Zoomer one, <laughs> yeah. I've never attended a William Festival. It sounds like a lot of fun, though. I so, know.
0: Uh, um, uh, Dr. Strange went. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, he said the parade was very long, and they left out for like an hour and a half because yeah. it just kept going. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was
1: going to say, yeah, the, the oldest the, the oldest and biggest one, the one in Vermilion, they have, like, a really big uh, parade. Um, that's, like, a really big thing that they have. So uh, about, like, 100,000 people a year will come. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually, it's, it's proclaimed. I don't know. It's, this is, everything I saw it said it was proclaimed to be. So I don't know if it's just because there's, like, no hard evidence or yeah. what.
0: That, that almost sounds but, like legalese. Yeah,
1: they said that it's, but. In like, the do case, they go out in the
0: town square with, like, a bell? You know? Yeah.
1: And it, is, it is proclaimed that the Woolly Bear Festival in Vermilion is the single largest one-day festival in Ohio. Um... So, I guess, you yeah, know, maybe plan a trip out.
0: I wonder if the willy bear races ever get fixed, you know? Uh,
1: yeah, I bet they do, yeah. Like, like, are people like betting on the willy bear like, Yeah, from what I've seen in pictures, it looks like they race them on strings, like they hang up strings. They, they like, grease one so it, like, it falls down or something. Yeah, some in the
0: back, like, yeah. like, like doing, like, the whole, like, they're painting it a different yeah. color. It's actually a different species of moth. Yeah. They painted it brown. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, yeah.
0: like, they used to paint horses. Yeah. The, the Caesar's Palace, uh, the, the odds are out for the willy bear yeah. race. <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, just a little kind of fun tidbit. I was looking to see who won the race um, from last year except it's over now but in north carolina the winning Wooly bear was named porta potty which i just thought was a good uh, and yeah, what are the odds on yeah. porta potty <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> 10 to 1 <laughs> I, bu- I lost mom i blew it on Wooly bear I racing it, yeah. <laughs> god
1: yeah i think it's like this is why like, my wife left me yeah it's like with horse racing with, like all like the horses have to have like like they can't have the same names so they have to have like individual unique names mm. like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> like a registry
0: and there's a beautiful a beautiful bright Alternate future where instead of the Kentucky Derby with horses, it's woolly yeah. bears, and it's a whole bunch of people, thousands of people, with the little derby hats, shaking fists full yeah. <laughs> betting slips over ten to twelve woolly bears inching along. Sounds,
1: sounds more exciting. Yeah,
0: like <laughs> I'd be pre- I'd be yeah. thrilled by that. Oh, and Porta has climbed over the railings and is leaving the yeah. track.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh my god! It seems that the commentator has stepped on one of the contestants. <laughs> <laughs> That's a disqualification. Yeah,
0: immediate disqualification. Yeah. Is that a, is that a parasitoid? Get that off! The, yeah. Get that out of here!
1: Oh my! Oh my God! It's pupating on the track. <laughs> yeah.
0: We've never seen this before, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. This is a crow moth painted brown.
1: Yeah.
0: Get this out of here.
1: It's the biggest scandal yet.
0: Yeah, the fix is in, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. All right.
1: Well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Insect yeah. View. Uh, we hope to see you next time. Make sure to follow us. I on. hope
0: we've inspired you to go home and race your own woolly bears yeah. for money uh, illegally. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. Definitely do not. This has to be on. It has to be underground.
0: Yeah, it has to be a a seedy back alley with your little woolly bears. Thanks for listening, everybody. And make sure to check out our socials. Yeah, i got Twitter and uh, TikTok.
1: It's a great source of content.
0: And keep listening for the new Institute content.